Welcome in everyone to another episode of Dom. That's true. I'm your host, Owen Domination7, and joining me is a very special guest, Allison, Allison underscore Renner, Renner, known for her K-State Twitter fame. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm good. How's it going? Chilling. Glad you could make it. Uh, really coming in clutch here for us. Truman is in Florida with his lovely girlfriend doing uh, things with her family, so he can't make it in today. So called an audible. I was ready to do a solo episode, but I was like, wait. Allison's tweeted at me like four times saying that she wanted to be on the show at some point. So here we go. Here's your opportunity. Okay, so we're going to be talking uh, Chiefs-Bengals. We're going to be talking NFL as a whole. I also want to touch over the Sunflower Showdown coming up tomorrow. I'm going to kill this music so I don't have to listen to it anymore as I'm speaking. Then we're also going to talk about maybe a little bit of Gene Taylor. Maybe uh, some hot Twitter takes. And finally, our top five fitting for this episode and for today, which is the 30th of January after the AFC Championship game. Top five frustrating officiating moments in our uh, in our fandom. It could be any sport. I've got a couple. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Allison, uh, why don't you just talk about uh, your Twitter account a little bit and the uh, the work that you've done on in the K State community? Because I know you recently got shouted out uh, by at Big Game Boomer as uh, the number one K State sports follow. This is my personal Twitter account, and uh, I think the past couple sports uh, season cycles, it's kind of, I've just kind of gained a, a mass, um, but if you look back, you know, the last 10 years or so I've had a Twitter, I mostly just tweet about following sports, I think that Twitter's a really good community for that, so, um, and then the past couple of years I've really noticed how big the K-State Twitter community is on there, so it's been fun just meeting different people and kind of con reconnecting with people from college when I was there, or, you know, meeting up with people at games and stuff, and um twitter came out with this uh communities thing and i thought that you know k-state twitter would be a really good candidate for having its own community on there so i've kind of tried to gather up everybody in that space and that's been good we've gotten a lot of you know people trading tickets in there people trading merch and and whatnot and yeah it's been a lot of fun yeah i i know that i've personally definitely gotten someone to take my ticket from there when I when I couldn't make a game. It was very clutch. I think what we need to do to get it to really pop off is just tweet at, uh, what is it, Kate? Uh, it's the two guys that are, that they don't like each other very much, but they're huge. I think it's like KSU fan 14 and K-State man. If we can get those, because they host like uh, K-State after dark, right? Like the, the Twitter oh, spaces right. after victories. If we can get yep. those guys to use the community, I think we could, I think we could get it to pop off. But I mean, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see fairly oh. peaceful so far but yeah yeah exactly it's been you know mainly people said oh you know and it always pops off during game days so all right let's get right into it as i check to make sure my stream is up it is okay and the intermission's been on this whole time for our <laughs> for the for the viewers so let me kill everything else but so they can actually see our lovely faces where's the text box that right there boom um, they're gonna. This is just wonderful. You can tell I am so good at this streaming thing as I adjust things on the fly. Okay, there we go. All right, so let's get right into it. Chiefs versus Bengals. 
Uh, obviously, you are a big Kansas City fan like me and has experienced a lot of Chiefs games in our lifetime. That was definitely one of the AFC Championship games of all time. Uh, I know that I was sweating bullets the whole time. I was talking with one of my Boston friends, and he was saying we were going to beat the Bengals by 20 after we kicked those two field goals. And I said, listen, man, I don't care what the score is. I'm not relaxing until the score is 0-0. I mean, until the uh, clock hits 0-0. Obviously, it ended up being a very close and, f- frankly, very scary game. Uh, just tell me about some of your emotions going through that game. Uh, it was a lot. Um, I, I don't think I ever really felt confident until the last couple seconds. Yeah. Um, just, I, as soon as the Bengals beat the Bills, I was just like, ah, well, it's nice that we get to play Airhead, but I would so much rather play the Bills because I know we could beat the Bills. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we actually said. Me and Truman agreed on that, uh, on the pod. We both said that, uh, we would have much rather played the Bills because, you know, the Bengals, for whatever reason, I never thought that in any of the times they've beaten us that we've been like that much inferior. It's not like, you know, uh, when Chiefs had Alex Smith, you know, and we meet uh, Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. It's like, well, dude, I just, you know, I hope we win, but you never really felt like it was a hope, right? Like you never really thought going into that game, we were super confident, like we were the better team, we're going to beat the Patriots. Going into all these games against the Bengals, I did feel like we were a better team, but the Bengals just seemed to have that it factor. And, I'm gonna be honest. When we, when Mahomes like did that weird ass fumble in the third quarter, I was like, "It's gonna, it, here it comes, here comes the Bengals." Just stop working. Yes, it's gonna, it's gonna happen again. So, I'm glad we finally got over the hump. Uh, I have a couple of Bengals fans, friends. They felt like you know they had the game and just gave it to us. Um, I know that I felt like insanely confident going into it too. Right, right. To be fair, I wasn't feeling very confident for the same reasons. You know, the the Bengals have figured out how to build a team to beat the Chiefs the same way that the Raiders and the Chargers have been trying to do for years. Right. And they they got it. So that's what made me nervous. Yeah. Here, let me pull up a stat here that uh, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I thought it was weird that just the lack of running from the Bengals yesterday did did you see did you feel like the they just kind of abandoned the run game too early I mean it's they had like 71 total rushing yards did Mm -hmm. did that feel like a strange game plan to you I yeah I guess I didn't really notice it as much watching until at the end when Joe Burrow started making some of those just saving throws right um but to a point, it was also kind of working. You know, they'd get third and long and then hit a guy 20 yards out. So, yeah, they probably could have benefited a little bit more. But up until the end, it was it was kind of working out for them. Right. I don't know. I, I think I was just so nervous the whole time, worried about our offense not being able to get anything going for pretty much the entire third quarter. Right, so. right. So, if I told you that in, the, in this season, in the regular season, when the Bengals beat us, um, they rushed for 152 yards, and yesterday they only rushed for 71. Would you have believed me? Yeah, that is crazy. So yeah, going into this game, uh, Truman and me, and then our uh, our friend from Cincinnati, Logan, uh, which who is uh, oh my lord, uh, Hannah learns to read on Twitch. By the way, give him a follow; he's a good guy. But he was saying that you know the Bengals need to run the ball. They need to get 150 rushing yards. That, 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 and they've had that the last three victories against the Chiefs. They've had over 150 rushing yards. 
And, you know, with Chiefs being second to last in run defense, I was expecting a lot more rushing, even when the Bengals were down. But for some reason, running game just wasn't working for them today, and they kind of abandoned it. I think that kind of ended up to uh, to them losing the game. I think that if the Chiefs have less time on the clock, that uh, the Bengals, that's a very winnable game for the Bengals. But let's just get into this. I know that Twitter is very upset about the officiating. Uh, I think it needs to be taken with a grain of salt because it seems like everyone on Twitter is uh, from the ages of 15 to 18. So, you know, it's a lot of kids with fake profile pictures you know talking about officiating they don't know ball but i want to get your thoughts what do you think about the refs uh specifically in you know the chiefs um Bengals game i i thought it was all right i mean it wasn't it wasn't a perfectly called game but i, I do think it was fair on both sides um there was that one play clock mishap mm-hmm. which you know yeah you, you could complain about that because that was kind of shitty um, it was still in the end fair. They did show the replays and right. show that they tried to stop the play, but you mm-hmm. know you can't really be having that happen at the NFL level. It's yeah. not a flow hoops uh, college basketball game <laughs> type of situation. So um, yeah, if there's one thing to complain about, you could do that. But it, honestly, the the individual uh, penalties and everything, or what they called versus what they didn't call. I, it was pretty easy. Right. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Right. I, I, and, you know, obviously I'm looking through Chiefs tinted glasses here. Um, but personally, I think uh, calls that they might have messed up on did benefit the Chiefs. But the thing is, is that those calls didn't end up mattering in the game, right? So the third and nine redo. So the Chiefs, you know, on that first third and nine, uh, threw an incomplete pass. And so fourth and nine, I'm going to be punting, I believe it was from our own 40, I think, um, or from our own 35, right? And so that you know they wave off the play. Referees running on the field say, "Hey, you know we need to restart the clock. It's still third down." And the Chiefs convert. Uh, I just don't understand why people are forgetting that after that we just threw three straight incompletions to waste you know twenty five seconds, and then we punted. So no scoring yep. was done on that drive. Who cares about third and nine? Then the yeah, next. Yeah, I, I honestly I haven't seen too much complaining about that one because that drive ended up not mattering at all. The did you see uh, Jamar seen... Chase's tweet? He tweeted about, he said, three, third, and nine, question mark. And that was no, all he tweeted. So, players on the Bengals are bad. Don't know why you choose that one. Yeah. I, I've seen mostly fans complain about a miss hold um, during Sky Moore's return, his last return um, yeah, that went I, out to the 50-yard line. You, have you That's seen the that only replay? Call. Yes, I've seen it. It's it's not it, it's not going to get called. Yeah, I, see, I didn't think like so either. No. You know, on runners like that, you know, you got him faced up, you're looking straight at him, and he's trying to get by, and you're pulling and you're pulling. They, no. they don't, they just, it's not one of those ones that gets called very much. And then there, there was a block in the back, maybe, on that same run back that they were talking about. Once again, ones that super far away from the play. It's going to be tough for the referee to see. I can understand complaints about that. Um, but the Chiefs, you know, uh, had, had a timeout in 50 seconds. You don't. I picked the Chiefs to go that distance anyway. Right. I mean, even if they were to call either the hold or the block in the back, uh, what, Chiefs would have got it on the eight-yard line. They're saying, oh, no way they'd make it down that far. But did did everyone forget about the Bills game last right, year? Right, yeah. Yes, they can absolutely go that far. So, in the end, I don't think any of the calls or officiating affected the outcome of the game. Right. And then I think the but, one that, for some reason, Bengals fans aren't complaining as much about is the intentional grounding. Because I know that live, it looked awful. It looked like obvious intentional grounding. 
But when they show the replay, you know, he's got that running back that's around five yards away. A lot of times they let quarterbacks get away with that one. Um, in this case, they didn't. But the Bengals also converted. That was on their touchdown drive. They, they, they got the third and 19. So I don't, once again, these calls that everyone really should be focusing on that were more bad calls, uh, you know, for the Bengals, it ended up not mattering at all. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think the officiating was fine. It's not anything normal. This is just something that we saw, you know, last year. I mean, two years ago when the Chiefs beat the Bills. You know, the Chiefs aren't allowed good success. It has to be, you know, rigging the NFL. So, you know, we got to change the rules now. Uh, referees have to be full-time officials. Overtime has to be both teams get the ball. Um, you know, people don't want to see the Chiefs, which I don't understand. I, I just I think it's just because the the media loves to talk about Patrick Mahomes. So, and I, I guess it's, you know, I – also, I reached out to one of my, my Patriots fan friend and was was talking to him about this. He's like, is this what it was like when, when Tom Brady was the best quarterback in the NFL? Because I was thinking about how I acted and as a Chiefs fan back then. And I think I think it must be pretty similar because, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, Tom Brady, you know, that, that stupid roughing the passer call that Chiefs fans will never forget about. The Chiefs still got three more third downs after that, third and longs. So, yes, that drive – got extended by that penalty but you also had three chances to get off the field and i just think that's one more thing that you think about like you know once you graduate college and become a real adult and you start understanding ball more it's like come on man just just get off the field oh, agreed all right so what do you think was the uh so enough about the referees i don't want to talk about them anymore it's exhausting it's stupid i don't i don't, I don't we don't we don't i promise you chiefs fans don't care we're going to the afc i mean we're going to the super bowl you guys I mean, talk my team won, so right. The Bengals fans talk so much shit. I weep. Just I've been typing weep, seethe, and cope on Twitter, like not like last night. Just typing it nonstop. I was laying into these people. Uh, I think I still have some bookmarks to look at on my Twitter. Uh, that might might be Bengals fans or people that are, I have one that there was a dude that said the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. So I, I really need to slam him. Um, not Eli Apple and the Bear Cincinnati just. Yeah, Eli Apple's got it. He he's getting smacked again, just like he got smacked uh, after the Super Bowl on Twitter. Okay, what do you think was the biggest play last night? So it might not be the biggest play for everybody else, but for me, the game the the play that turned the game around for me to give me hope that we were going to win because I. I thought if that game went into overtime, we were not going to pull through. We were so banged up and so tired. I didn't, I didn't think we had it in us. Uh -huh. But when we got that interception on the Bengals' last, um, I don't remember who caught the interception. Um, Joe Burrow was third and long, threw it downfield. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up getting it around the twenty. Yeah, that was uh, um, uh, oh my gosh, Cook. Uh, the guy, well, not Cook, Bush, Dion Bush, the guy that we got from uh, the Bears that mistakenly <laughs> tweeted, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom, when Tyreek left. And they were like, not now, Dion. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So he tipped oh, it. Even and then better. I, yeah, and then I believe Joshua Williams is the one that came up with the interception. Yes, yeah, that was, that for me was like, okay, we might actually be able to pull this out and, mm -hmm. you know, avoid overtime. That was a huge play that I think turned the momentum of the game around. Oh, absolutely. Um, and even though, you know, some people were saying, well, maybe we should have let him punt because we might have gotten it, like, a little bit closer. But 
No, I, I think uh, when you have turnovers like that, that are inter interceptions, fumbles, I'd rather take a couple yards back and then gain the crowd, gain the momentum back. So uh, right. that's the play that gave me life again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, and I think that's a really good point. I, I was also thinking, well, maybe we should have just swatted it. But I think we have to uh, remember that that wide receiver, I don't remember if it was, I think it was uh, T. Higgins, made a cr just a, a crazy play to tackle him there, actually. To have the awareness to watch the tip, see the catch, and then still tackle him, that that was pretty incredible uh, ball awareness. Yeah, I think I think I might go that. I also liked uh, Watson's interception. Just the quick turn and pick was was a cr pretty incredible play. Uh, I I actually I'll 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 just have to go Butker's kick. I mean to win it, come on. I, I that's a little bit of a cop out answer. All right. Um, so now I want you to quickly pick the MVP of the Chiefs' offense last night because I think there's some. There's a lot of good choices, and the MVP of the Chiefs' defense last night because I, I know I have mine too. Uh, so if we're going offense, um, yeah, there there are a lot of good choices. There are a lot of really good plays made. The name that has really stuck out to me all season, though, being consistent is Pacheco. Mm. Um, he's just been such a surprise this year and so fun to watch. And as a K-State fan, I see so much, you know, parallel between him and Deuce Vaughn, mm. just the way that he can get up the middle, um, with his size and being patient enough to wait for the gaps, you know, it, it he'll take a, what should be two or three yards and make it a 10 yard run. And absolutely. He, he's been a ton of fun to watch for me. And I, I really enjoyed him wa watching him against the Bengals team, uh, yesterday. And yeah, I think he, he had a good Good time with it. Absolutely. Yeah, so for my offensive play of the game, I got to go MVS. He, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown out of nowhere. He was, you know. That's true. Did And I don't know if you saw the video on Twitter of his reaction of him just smiling that he's going to go to a Super Bowl, like almost in disbelief. Uh, uh, if you, no, if, I didn't see if you haven't, you should uh, either go on Twitter or, or Google it. But he's kind of like, you know, sitting there crouched down. Then I'll go to the Super Bowl! Like... You know, it, it's really it's you know it's one of those things where you just smile for uh for a guy that's you know been underutilized, uh, didn't really work out in Green Bay, and and had a decently mediocre regular season, but has been huge for us in the playoffs. So you just have to love something like that. Yeah, no, I love seeing somebody step up like that too. I mean, especially when you're the Chiefs' offense and you're so deep. Typically, mm -hmm. uh, seeing somebody that can just come up out of nowhere, you know, and. To fill in for Hardman, fill in for you know where, wherever he's needed. Uh, that was really fun to watch. Right, and so who who do you choose for your uh, defensive player of the game for the Chiefs? Uh, I I might be biased because he's one of my favorite players, but almost always, if I'm picking a defensive player, it's Chris Jones. Yeah. I just I I tweet I, every time he gets a sack, I always tweet out like feed this man like he's yeah he's just such so clutch all the time. He didn't even get the, like the first couple sacks, but eventually he got one in there. Right, yeah. So He's just a monster. Yeah, Chris Jones, monster two-sack game. Had that sack uh, near the end of the fourth quarter to force that Bengals punt on which the Chiefs eventually scored the game-winning field goal. Uh, did you know that he actually hadn't had a, a postseason sack until yesterday? Yeah, that was just a crazy step because, you know, he gets a sack almost every game. Right. Yeah, no, and that, that was always kind of an ongoing bit almost as like, ah, oh, will he ever get it, you know, this game, this game. Right. And, Finally got his sack, and everybody was pretty excited about it. So. Right. I mean, he. I believe he let. Let me ch make sure that I have this right. I believe he led the league in sacks this year. 
let's see here. Seasons. Sacks. Oh, no. Uh, NFL season 2022 sack leader. Oh, pfft. Nick Bosa with 15 and a half. I think Chris Jones at 15. Uh, whatever, man. He's up towards the top there. Yeah, whatever. It, Chris Jones was a monster this season. I'm glad he finally got those two sacks. But, yeah, those were huge. Um, real quick before we uh, move on to the – well, we, uh, we, don't, we, we can spend some more time on it. But, okay, so as Chiefs fans well know, the special teams has been really frustrating for us this year. Um, personally, I think that's what lost us the Bengals game um, the first time around. We did not have good special teams, missed a couple uh, – left a couple points laying on the field. But uh, this game, special teams are great. Tommy Townsend boomed, I believe, all of his punts inside the 20. Um, a couple inside the 10. Then uh, no missed extra points, no missed field goals, and uh, decent punt returning, uh, especially with that really big uh, punt return from Sky Moore uh, after Chris Jones forced that uh, really big sack. So my question to you is, are Sky Moore and Butker forgiven after this recent playoff game, or what are your thoughts? Uh, we'll start. Okay, so starting with Sky Moore, um, I was definitely not very impressed with him throughout the season. Hmm. Um, I felt like every time we're watching a Chiefs game, my friends are texting me like, "Cut Sky Moore, fire him immediately!" <laughs> right. Like this is a, every single game. It was something. He did something wrong. Even if he would redeem himself, like kind of throughout the game, but I have to remind myself a lot too. He is a sixth round rookie. I mean, he'll he'll figure it out. You know. I, we get drops. Tyreek Hill dropped uh, that kickoff against the Texans, and we went down 21-0. Um, although I felt like his drops were excessive this season, that last return at the end was huge, and mm -hmm. we needed that. So he did come in clutch where it really counted. So I'm hoping to see him develop more and get more confident in that position next year. I don't think Andy Reid's going to give up on him. I think that we're going to see him return another season. I hope he's going to get better. Um, but, you know, we'll see about it. I, again, I have to remind myself, okay, he's a rookie. He's not Tyreek Hill. Right. Even Tyreek Hill made mistakes. Um, Harrison Butker, also very surprised because he's been such a clutch dude. Mm -hmm. um, I think that he got – he not only got a lot of flack this season because he was making stuff he should have. Um, but also just some of the off the field stuff too. I think people were just annoyed with him. Yeah. The COVID off the field comments. Stuff yeah. Aside, yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, off the field stuff aside, it's just like, yeah, you need to be making those extra points. Those are free points that could cost us the game in the end. And I don't remember if they did cost us the game in any, at least cost us to win out instead of overtime maybe. But I, I think that he's been in the playoffs so far. He's been all right. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't, Fully trust him, but watching Dallas blow away so many, <laughs> yeah, it's made me feel better about it at least. Right. Uh, so maybe he just put that like all those vibes onto Dallas's kicker. I don't know, but right. So far, he's he's all right. If he can, you know, stay perfect through the playoffs, if he can get through us through this season, not have any major screw ups. I think everyone will be pretty quick to forgive him. Right. But, you know, maybe it's just one of those off years for him. I don't know. But 
Yeah, we just haven't seen that before. Right. So, here, I'll tell you this. So, Harrison Butker, in the postseason, 47 of 50 on uh, extra points. And he's only missed two field goals in the postseason. So, in 2018, he had two, made two. 2019, had two, made two. 2020, had eight, made seven. These are all field goals, by the way. Uh, 2021, had five, made four. And uh, this year, he's perfect as well. So... Great postseason player. He's had a rough regular season, but pretty historically, you know, right where you need your postseason kicker to be. But, yeah, off-field stuff uh, besides, you know, he got some kind of weird opinions about vaccinations, in my opinion. But then again, this isn't a political podcast. This is a sports podcast, so we don't care about stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, in my opinion, I think Bucker's been great this uh, this, this postseason. I think they've uh, worked out – I think – there's been uh, miscommunication in between uh, Butker and Townsend. I think that uh, a, a lot of those kicks, well, not not all of them, but some of them have certainly been on Tommy Townsend uh, and him not having that perfect flow together. Um, special teamers notoriously just, you know, especially those skill position players like, like kicker and holder, they don't really practice all that much, man. Like, what are you going to do? Kick 400 balls in a pra- practice? I don't think so. So, yeah, you know, it really surprised me that Tommy Townsend's a captain for the playoffs. I just didn't really expect him because you don't typically have your punter out there as a captain. Right, but he's but... he's been a beast. So good, he's very good. So I think it's well deserved. It just yeah, it just kind of took me by surprise when they released those pictures. Yeah, I, I always find it funny about captains. A lot of times they just you know they'll choose special teamers and or like you know like like gunners and like people like I think Marcus Kemp was a uh, a captain at some point, but. You know, just guys that you never really see play. Um, how much what, what are we looking at for time? We're doing pretty good. Uh, real quick, I want to get into it. Uh, do you think that uh, this pseudo bye week, I guess, is going to be super important for the Chiefs? I know that, you know, we saw Willie Gay go down. We saw Juju Smith-Schuster go down. We saw uh, McColl enter the game and then go back down. We saw uh, Kadarius Tony might have picked up something. Obviously, no, no news yet on any of these guys, but... Um, how important do you think these injuries are going to be for the Chiefs going forward? It's hard to gauge just because we I don't think we know like the full uh, exactly what those injuries are. If mm-hmm. you know something as minor as a cramp or you know pulling something, those two weeks are really going to help. If it's anything more than that, maybe putting some rest will give us a little help. But those guys aren't going to be back a hundred percent. I think it's going to be a net positive for the Chiefs because we had so many injuries in that last game. Yeah. However, I always do get worried when we have bye weeks, and mm. this goes for any team, college teams, NFL teams. There's something about bye weeks that, although you know, coaches, players will say, "Oh, we're not slack, and we're we're practicing just as hard." Getting those extra reps in when you're playing a lighter game or something like that is so much more beneficial than yeah. you know taking a whole week off. So these guys are professionals. <laughs> I, I trust them to it, but it's just. You know, I, I've seen the Chiefs go after a bye week, oh, come back fully rested, coming in, and then just get beat because they weren't ready for it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will I will tell you that the last time the Chiefs had a fully functioning O-line, we won the Super Bowl. Also, obviously, had the two-week break, so just maybe ease some nerves there. But, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I think it's obviously going to be good. Uh, Travis Kelsey was, you know, kind of a weird game time uh, kind of thing. He was just having some back spasms, but... He, if he was spasming on the field, he was going to play last night. We're talking about Travis Kelsey here. And now entering the Kelsey Bowl, I, I expect him to be fully ready. Mahomes is ready to, uh, made of adrenaline and rubber bands and uh, whatever alien DNA they have in him. So I, I think Mahomes will 
you know, be like 90%. You know, he heals faster than anybody in the world because it's Mahomes. I All right. I need to get a hold of his athletic trainer because I don't know how what magic she worked for that. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> did you see the AI retouched picture that the one person did? Because the, the, the picture that they posted of her was really grainy. Someone went in with an AI and scrubbed it up to, uh, really? to make it easier to look. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we want to redo her picture so she can look better. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Oh. All right. So, moving on from the AFC Championship game, obviously big win for the Chiefs, uh, narrative-wise. And obviously, you know, you have to win to move on to the Super Bowl. But do you think that the Eagles are a bad matchup for the Chiefs, good matchup for the Chiefs? Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Because personally, I think that it's kind of a, an Occam's Razor, double-edged sword kind of situation. Because I think that while the Eagles, you know, run heavy team going against a, a poor run defense, I think that you have to be able to throw to beat the Chiefs. And I don't think that the Eagles can. You know, we're talking about a team, you know, they didn't have to against the Niners at all. But you should have more than 93 passing yards entering the eight-minute mark of the third quarter. If, if, if I tell you right now, that they have 93 yards entering the third quarter. I'm saying Chiefs up 14 because I think even if the Chiefs are a, you know, struggle against the run, I think that's a lot of that's because we face good quarterbacks and you get players like Samaji P. Ryan for the Bengals, who I expected to see a lot more of, are just able to run on a light box because they're defending the pass because they're scared of these wide receivers. I don't think the Eagles have the guys that can scare the Chiefs that much. And I think that we're going to be able to go into heavier sets and really control this Eagles team who really hasn't played a tough team all year. I mean, not all year, but uh, in the playoffs. Well, honestly, all year, they really haven't played that tough of a schedule, but also in the playoffs have really played nobody so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i definitely not been following the NFC as much. If, if I'm watching games, I'm watching the Cowboys game just – fun or just watching specific storylines or good matchups i think that the eagles are a good team i think that they're a talented team but the gap between the nfc and the afc is so much bigger Mm -hmm. i i would equate them i i don't think that we're huge underdogs in this situation Mm. per se even though you know the eagles have the best record in the nfl they've been a dominating team all season I still think that, you know, we will be a good matchup for them um, because Mm -hmm. of what you were just explaining with the not being able to get those huge uh, yards on on big throws. Um, I guess they might just try to run it the whole time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, They do worry me a little bit. I guess I wouldn't be super ashamed if we lost to this Eagles team. Sure. Like I said, I I do think they have talent. I think they're good. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't paid enough attention to them uh, during the regular season to, sure. to really judge. Yeah, uh, so, I, you know, I've been watching them. Uh, one of my coworkers is a big Eagles fan, so I've been using this week. I told him, watching it to work today, I said, uh, hey, we're not friends for the next two weeks. Fuck you. And he, of course, laughed. Now we're good friends. But um, to me, this Eagles team seems a lot like the Ravens teams that we've been seeing. But I think Jalen Hurts is a worse thrower than Lamar. And – you know, this happens every year to the Chiefs. We come against a run-heavy team with a run-focused coach, run-focused O-line, and a good defense. And that's the the Ravens' blueprint, right? That generally hasn't been able to beat the Chiefs. So, you know, because you try to run the ball, you try to take the ball away from Patrick Mahomes, which is theoretically a good idea, but that means you have to win every time. 
and that allows for zero times where Chris Jones blows up your play. That allows for zero times when Nick Bolton makes a good play. And that accounts for you have to have a weak and injured Willie Gay. Now, Willie Gay is going to come back for the Super Bowl, and he's going to be a gigantic factor in this game. If Willie Gay has a good game, the Chiefs can very easily win this. But I, I think with uh, Hurts being a worse passer than Lamar is, um, I think it's going to come down to uh, the Chiefs versus the Eagles defense, which I believe is like number one in almost every category. So I think that's where the real matchup is. I think that uh, the Chiefs have a real chance, and we finally don't have to play a home Super Bowl. So that's also very, very exciting. Um, yeah, do you, do you have any more uh, comments on the Chiefs or anything you want to talk about before we uh, move on to our, uh, our next segment? No, um, I don't think so. I don't think I'm I'm super worried um, about the game. I think it'll it'll be a good game. I hope mm -hmm. it's a good game. Um, I guess I, I you know that first Super Bowl win nerves are kind of off of me. So even when we lost that second year against the Buccaneers, I didn't sting too bad. And you know, just ho hoping to have fun with it. Sure, <laughs> I was definitely way more pissed than you. I was so mad. I turned that thing off in the third quarter. My, my, you know, my, I heard my family cheering for a couple of plays Mahomes made, but I said I don't care. I, I was so angry. I was, <laughs> I, I turned that game off when played video games and drank a whole bunch of beer. I was not very thrilled about that. All right, but yeah. Oh, uh, do you have a, a score prediction? Because we always mm -hmm. do score predictions for for the preview. So, oh, and I also sorry before we do score prediction, I can't believe I forgot this. Uh, I want you to give your uh, keys to the game for the Chiefs and uh, if the Chiefs will win if kind of thing. You know, I, I'm not – I'm actually not too worried about our defense. I think our defense will be able to hold them. I think we can keep up. I am worried about getting, you know, aligned on offense and mm. getting our vibes right for our offense to score points because we've gone through long droughts of not scoring, not scoring touchdowns especially. Mm-hmm. The vibes all just need to be right. The connection between, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey, Mahomes and Pacheco, mm. whoever it needs to be to step up or multiple people to step up to score us points. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So give me a Chiefs win if. Chiefs win if um, we can get a couple scores early, run the clock most of the game. Awesome. For me, Chiefs win if Isaiah Pacheco has over 110 rushing yards. Because if the Chiefs are running the ball that well, that means we've been able to hang in with them on defense and that our O-line's doing their job, and that means Patrick Mahomes at least 250 yards passing. So for me, Chiefs Isaiah Pacheco over 110 rushing yards sounds like a Chiefs win to me. All right, so now moving on. So actually, this is one of the first times we ever actually had a full segment for this kind of thing. But because you're on the pod, I figured we might as well do it. So I wrote this down. We're going to be talking cats for one of the first times ever on the show. Uh, obviously, um, you were born and uh, raised a, a K-State fan, correct? Yeah, both my parents went to K-State, met at K-State. and My nice. brother and I went to K-State, so everything K-State. <laughs> there you go. I... Uh, I'll say this quietly. I actually grew up a KU fan because my, my mom taught at KU Med. But by the time I wanted to actually watch sports, that was freshman year of college. So and it didn't take me uh, any time at all to completely forget about KU. And, my, you know, when I first went to college, my parents were like, hey, you know, 
we kind of been cheering for KU for a while. I don't know if we're going to be able to, you know, fully, you know, hate KU. Uh, it took them two months of talking to KU fans about me going to K-State for them to say, nah, we don't, we're not doing anything KU anymore. So. The full transition. Yes, it was not very, the KU fans often make it pretty easy. Uh, sorry, KU fans that are listening to this. I still love you. Uh, you guys are still my friends. Obviously, you guys are all right. But a couple people twisted my parents wrong, so that's 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 not on me. That's not on you guys. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk Sunflower Showdown. The Cats open up as a uh, six-point underdog in Allen Fieldhouse. Obviously, the Cats have historically struggled to win in Allen Fieldhouse. Bill Self, you know, turned that place into a freaking fortress. They almost never lose. Uh, the yes, oh, and real quick in the chat, uh, one of my <laughs> KU friends actually said that uh, Chiefs win if they win the turnover battle. Completely agree. But going into Allen Fieldhouse here, um, Bill Self, Fortress, K-State generally not winning too many games. You know, a couple very close ones in recent memory, uh, especially when you and me were at K-State. Um, but generally speaking, Bill Self doesn't like to lose too many games in a row. They snapped a four-game losing streak. Well, three-game losing streak would have been four had they lost, but they beat Kentucky, really controlled the paint, which is scary because I think that's where K-State kind of struggles. So... Uh, let's see here. Um, so yes, but so far showed up coming up tomorrow. How are you feeling? Maybe less confident than I was a couple weeks ago, but mm. all of my feelings are based on how KU has been performing. Mm-hmm. If KU would have won their last three games after they beat K-State, I'd still have 100% confidence in K-State, which makes no sense at all. I just can't bet against Bill Self losing that many games. Right. Which is a horrible way to bet on things, but it just, it makes me nervous if his team starts falling apart because at any moment, he's going to snap them all back together and all of a sudden they're going to be a totally different team. Right, yeah. I think that they will make a lot of adjustments uh, from when we saw them in Bramlage. But this is also, it's its not the same KU team it was last year. They've lost a lot of talent. They have a lot of new talent coming in that I think will, you know, get better as they're in college longer. Um, they're, what, only starting five stars Grady Dick, which everyone thought was going to the NBA after. I don't think he is after these last couple mm-hmm. performances. Um it, they are a beatable team. They've been a beatable team all season. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping you pull it out. But yeah, being in Allen Fieldhouse is a huge disadvantage too. Absolutely. Speaking of home cooking, we all know refereeing decisions there. That's one that I fucking forgot. Oh my gosh. I'll never How did you for- forget? Yeah, I got to put that. Oh man. Okay, I got to replace some things on my list here. But um, yeah, Grady Dick, you know, turns out not a direct placement for Christian Brown. Uh, and that's, you know, that's been a, a, a cause of a lot of their shortfalls. You know, he's been shooting like less than 30% from three, which is, uh, as much as I hate to say it, probably not going to last the whole season. And I, I hope, you know, K-State K isn't uh, his get-right game, but Jerome Tang's defenses has notoriously been very solid. You know, we've got a lot of key contributors on defenses here, like Cam Carter, Tyke Green, uh, Desi Sills, been, been in a little bit of a slump one point over his last three games but has been a very solid contributor as the sixth man on defense. And most importantly, David Gasson is getting healthy. 
and he can dominate in the paint. And and that and that's where I think KU has to attack. If David Gasson isn't on the field, they have to go uh, after Ijeola. But Ijeola is not anywhere near as weak as these K-State centers have been over the last five years. He can actually catch, and he can actually shoot. So that is you know different from the last four years of K-State centers. You know, we always felt like these guys had bricks for hands and just absolutely <laughs> couldn't do anything with uh, with the catch-and-shoot game. But Ijeola has shown he's been uh, uh, able to be a very good contributor for this K-State team. Oh, but it's Allen Fieldhouse, man. It's... I don't know. I mean, you saw who TCU did it. That that game absolutely shocked me. Mm-hmm. But TCU can do it. Yeah, I think but... I think TCU is this year's Iowa State. They have all this potential, and they just randomly pop off and randomly lay eggs. And then Iowa State's just doing Iowa State things. Can't win on the road. What is going on with that team? So strange. They played their Super Bowl against Kansas State, apparently. Got out all of their shooting against us, you know, and continue to have no away wins. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's honestly just bizarre. Uh, yeah, but what do you think about Tang? Obviously, K-State fans love him so far. He's uh, been wall bashing with the students after home wins. Got the FKU chant out of there real quick. Been very adamant about that. Uh, I just I, I don't have enough words to say how, how good I'm feeling about Jerome Tang right now. Yeah, no, he he's been the best K State hire that we've seen immediate results from mm-hmm. I think ever. I mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, obviously Bill Snyder, Coach Kleiman's great, but we've never seen immediate turnaround. He had nothing to work with. He built this entire team himself mm-hmm. by recruiting starting in what April? Yeah. Like in spring. Yeah, I can't say enough uh, good things about him. I, I was a little bit worried because he's been so focused on. It's not a bad thing. He's been so focused on the students and the culture around K State basketball from a student and spectator perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit worried that that was going to creep into the gameplay a little mm. bit. Um especially at the beginning of the uh, K-State KU game in Bramlage, mm-hmm. students start chanting, you know, the FKU chant, and they zoom in on him, like, on the side of the court, just shaking his head. I'm like, okay, dude, <laughs> if you're focused on what the students are yelling and not this game that's in front of you, we're going to be in trouble. But it didn't seem to, you know, affect it at the end, and he keeps winning. Right. It's hard to be mad at him when he keeps winning. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember a, a coach um, in my time cheering for Kansas State, you know, for the last 10 years. That has, well, not 10, 8 for me, which is, I hate that I just said that out loud. That feels like way too much time. But um, that has been spent that much time on campus. You know, he's got that uh, that chat with Tang segment that he does every week where he just goes on campus and sits with a microphone next to him and just chats with K-State students. I don't remember seeing a coach with just, you know, this amount of love for for our university, you know, you never saw Bruce Weber and you know, Bruce Weber is always struggling with recruiting and, and that's why actually something, something that I want to get into real quick. Um, you know, starting this season, 10 cleared house, right? Only two guys left on the roster that Tang wanted to stay or wanted to stay in general. I mean, we saw Nigel pack leave, you know, admittedly, if I'm Nigel pack, I'm taking that money too. That's $800,000. I I don't blame him. Uh, but the NIL Joel jokes are hilarious. And I stand by that. Um, 
But so Ishmael and uh, Marquise Noel, only ones on the roster left. So you have to find around eight guys. And, you know, he pulls the likes of uh, Ijeola, Gasson, Sills, Green. Uh, just a solid group of guys. Cam Carter especially has been huge for us. And uh, Naquan Tomlin. He pulled these guys out of, like, community colleges. And, you know, Desi Sills and, and, and Cam Carter was like a – some of these guys were like one-point-per-game players last year. And he's just turning them into all Big 12 players. I mean – and, you know, Desi Sills has had a rough pass these last couple of games, but put up 24 against KU. Just, how do you, how, it's just incredible. You know, I, I was told you can't recruit to Manhattan. But, and he, you know, he had a five-star in for a visit. He's had several four-stars. I mean, just, it's an, just an incredible turnaround. And, yeah, just, whew. I think the other part of Tang, too, is it's, it's very different as a K-State fan to see your coach be so active online mm-hmm. because we've never had a coach that's runs its own, you know, his own Twitter account. Like, I know that Bill Snyder runs his own Twitter account, but he only you know gets on there every six months to wish somebody a happy birthday. So. Yeah, or, or say that Sean had a good game. <laughs> that too. Or, you know, break some uh, really personal announcement oh I, I i still can't believe people are clowning him he's like 80 and you know so he's in the connection so obviously somebody told him he was like you know hey really hate to hear this be like he hasn't died yet bill it's like well oh, listen dude yeah. you think he's just hearing through the grapevine <laughs> no he's he's heard from somebody probably in in his family that this happened right we're talking about coach schneider here. he writes letters to players so yeah but I, yeah, it's just, it's so fun to see that different. And don't get me wrong, Chris Kleiman is, is never online, and I don't I don't think he runs his own Twitter account. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Chris Kleiman is that type of guy who's very right. just professional, straight up, only cares about what's happening on the field. Right. I think with basketball, it's different. Football, you always have that traditional coach mentality of, okay, this is it, unless you're fucking... Um, Lane Kiffin, and yeah. then you start all this off drama, and right. I, I don't want any part of that. Right. Basketball, basketball's always been more of a, you know, me. I mean, look at the NBA. It's it's all about the player drama and getting to know, you know, the coaches and the staff and, and whatnot. So I, I think that having a coach be very online and very uh, interactive with the fans and with the students is, is perfect for basketball. So I've, mm-hmm. I've really liked that side of him, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I think that's that too. I mean, we saw his, you know, introductory press conference, and you're just like, wow, you know, this guy's got a lot of energy. What a great press conference. And, of course, we, you know, got clowned, you know, KU got a national championship, and K-State got a good press conference. It's like, ah. You know, honestly, that was pretty funny from KU fans. Shout out to you guys. You know, that, that, is pretty, that is pretty funny. You know, you win the national championship while, you, you know, your, your rival is in dead last in the Big 12. All right, fair enough. Fair play to you guys. But, I mean, who could have expected this coming out? You know, K-State, on top of the uh, Big 12 standings right now, technically still tied with Iowa State, uh, but has the best record in the Big 12. Controls our own destiny the rest of the way. Uh, to, to winning a Big 12 title out of nowhere. So, you know, shout out to Coach Tang and what he's done. It's been cl- completely incredible. Uh, you know, like we talked about with the students and his outreach, it's super strange. It doesn't feel right for him to be as active as he is. I mean, obviously none of it's been negative. It's all been good stuff. But I'm not used to my coach retweeting 
people and 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 doing stuff other than retweeting you know the, the official k statements basketball twitter so um you know i guess i have to give a shout out to my uh to my friend punished caleb he was a huge uh bruce hater and he always said that uh you know surely we can find somebody who does a better job and the argument always was oh well who are you grabbing who are you grabbing you know what what high profile coach are we here and then you know gene taylor finds coach dang 19 years an assistant coach k-state head coach and he's gonna have a winning season in his first season and the ex- the ceiling is is just huge for k-state sports right now we're really high up um that's the best part of this all is that i i had zero expectations going in my only hope was we didn't get last in the big 12 definitely not getting last right definitely not I don't know. We maybe first. Who knows? Maybe we go far in the tournament. I can't be upset with this team. We could lose. Um, I mean, if we lost out the rest of the season, I'd be kind of upset. <laughs> no, no, that would suck. There, there's not much that this team could do to make me upset at them, just because of how well they've just completely turned around, and they keep getting better because they're getting more and more time playing with each other and practicing with each other. So. Yeah, just an incredible t- job by Coach Tang grabbing eight guys that weren't on the team last year and getting them to tie for first place in the Big 12 right now. I mean, don't hang any banners yet. I mean, obviously a lot of time left, a lot of games we still have to execute, especially with this one coming tomorrow. Really going to be a, uh, a thermometer. You know, we can honestly, uh, I have us losing tomorrow. It's going to be a close game. Uh, KU always performing well in Allen. But, you know, so I'm not, you know, going into this game, oh, we're going to smack KU around. It's a winnable game for sure. But it's not. It's definitely not the end of the world. Uh, should we lose? I mean, it's freaking Alvin Fieldhouse. They just don't lose there. So you know, getting a win there would be huge. But the sky's the limit for this K State team, especially with uh, how poorly Baylor and KU have started out this season. Uh, you know, if I told you at the beginning of this year, Allison, that all we had to to you know to look forth uh, to for our real threats for challenging for the title are TCU and Iowa State. You taking that? No. Uh, for last, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it just goes to show how much can change in a, in a few short months. But, yeah, um, so I want you to pick real quick your way too early K-State uh, player, uh, men's basketball player of the year. Because I know who I'm choosing. I think there's I think there's two real choices. Well, I, exactly. It's either uh, Marquise or Keontae. I, mm-hmm. I, you can't really go wrong with either of them. I I lean towards Marquise Noel just because he has been the entire story of this K-State basketball team. He has been so integral with creating the team culture from scratch. Maybe not helping select these players, but really, you know, ha- he had an input on hiring Tang <laughs> yes. with Gene. So this man runs the basketball team, but... At the same time, you wouldn't know that because he's just such a such a team player, and mm. he's so just all about K State. So I, I'm going with Marquise. I I completely agree. I think I think Keontae is a really attractive choice. I think this game go uh, K State goes as far as Keontae and Marquise are willing to carry it. I I, I mean I, this team isn't you know lost without production. I mean we've we saw uh, that game against um, uh, oh geez uh, Texas Tech. Where you know it took a while for Keontae and uh, Marquise to heat up, and then you get guys like Cam Carter and Naquan Tomlin put uh, pitching in heavy points. Saw that especially uh, the other day 
um, with, you know, Marquise not starting out so hot and Cam Carter exploding out of nowhere against Iowa State. Still ended up losing, but uh, to, to uh, be in a game without your top scorers going crazy um, just tells you leaps and bounds about it. And then, of course, the game against Florida where, you know, Marquise just took over that game. He almost had a double-double in the first half. I, I don't think he ended up getting that triple-double because he ended up playing fewer minutes in that second half. K-State was, had a pretty heavy lead. But Marquise Noel is the absolute glue. He's shooting logo threes. You know, one of the first players in my memory that pulls up for a logo three, and you're like, hmm, okay. Like, you know, you're not the most upset ever because like, half of them go in. And then he his passing and court vision is just crazy. Obviously, with a young player, you know, he's bound, he's bound to have a couple bad passes that get turned over. But his turnover to assist ratio is just just mountains. He, I, I think he has a chance to break the K-State assist record for a season this year and definitely cement himself as one of the greatest uh, K-State point guards of all time. But, I mean, once again, just a hell of a player. I do think it's funny uh, on that text where it, it was showing that uh, he had input on the coaching hire because he sends that big long message hey co- hey uh hey gene i want to be here i love k-state i want to be here check out this coach from nc state <laughs> and then you know the next and gene's like yeah bud thanks and then the, the next message is get tang and gene just responds to him with a thumbs up I, that's that's so funny to me they they didn't need to include the him trying to rep, uh, re, uh recruit the sorry it was middle tennessee state oh, the mtsu sorry. guy he's like they didn't need to include that in the in the image that they show, but that was I just, still pretty funny though. <laughs> no, it was hilarious. But oh, uh, and this just in. Um, so you might not know this, but we are famously bad at knowing exact stats and saying completely wrong things. And uh, my chat has just told me that he's actually only thirteen away from their school record in a season. Yeah, well, they've been talking about it all season, so I figured he he had to be pretty dang close. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that close. No, I didn't wow. either. <laughs> yeah, so Marquise Noel is definitely gonna go around, uh, go down as one of my favorite Kansas State players of all time. Um, all right, I want to give you a hypothetical. Okay, so K State is notoriously terrible in the postseason, both basketball and football, when we win a conference championship. That's so, true. so I'm gonna give you a hypothetical here. So, yeah. By the way, over the last eight years. Well, going back actually to 2012, when uh, when the basketball or football has won, they have won zero postseason games after that. Yep. Yeah, which is crazy to think. That's so weird. Um, but I'll give you this hypothetical. Would you rather K-State win the Big 12 in basketball and lose their game against what's projected to be a 14 or 15 seed? Or narrowly miss out on a conference championship but make a final four what would you rather have when you put it like final four that's tough i I would almost always say conference championship because whenever you're going back trying to pull out stats to show off to somebody you always can pull conference championships that conference championships and i know with basketball it's a little different with the tournament but that's what you're oh, not 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 right? counting the tournament berth, not counting that. Just regular season conference championship, raise the raise the trophy. Right, right. Um, 
I like I like the conference championships. I think it'd be really cool to do it, you know, in football and basketball and have such a good year mm. when K State wasn't projected to really be the top at either. Um, I, I think that'd be pretty cool. I and I kind of go back to what was it, twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. when we won that conference championship, That's and then awesome. immediately lost the next game to uh, Akron. No, 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 the Ant Eaters. The Ant Eaters. I don't. I know. Who are they? I know that they're the Ant Eaters, though, because we played them earlier that uh, it was either the year before or earlier that season. Um, UC Irvine. Branch, Irvine. So I, I mean, I so I was in Italy when we were playing that game, and I, time difference was crazy. It was like nine a.m., and I was looking at the score, and I was like, eh. I, I don't think I was that mad because I was, you know, on vacation. But the conference championship, being a student there, being so involved in that, I. Yeah, I I choose conference championship, but I've never seen a Final Four. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> Personally, I mean, we made the Elite Eight also when we were in school in 2018. Um, I know people always love making it to a Final Four, but for me, I've never, you know, I get that you know teams always talk about how many Final Fours they've been to. You do hang a banner for making it that far. You do cut the nets. There's a lot of cool memorabilia that comes with that, but it's not a championship to me. I would much rather win a conference championship than make the Final Four, personally. I know that that might be a controversial opinion. I know that my chat, is they're all saying Final Four, so much better. Uh, I like conference championships more. I think it, like you said. I like the title. Especially in the Big I, 12, title. which is the best basketball conference. Oh, and that's another thing that I want to talk about. How is Alabama only dropping two spots after getting destroyed by one of the, you know, the number eight team in the Big 12? How is I, I honestly think that the AP voters, they just don't know what to do with the Big 12 because we already have what, half the Big 12 in the top 15. It's right. like they, they just don't know what to do because we're all going to start beating each other and we have started beating each other. Even though the Big 12 has the best teams, it's not working out the same way that the SEC does in football and they just don't know where to place everybody. <laughs> yeah, I also don't think the AP voters watch the games. Um, there's no reason that Alabama's dropping two spots after getting destroyed on the road by an unranked team. Think about it this way. If uh, K-State's ranked number two in football and you you lose to uh, to unranked, um, um, let's see here, let's get a unranked Vanderbilt, they're dropping 10, 15 spots, maybe even all the way out altogether. But I don't know where Alabama's getting this credit for that they can go to number four. They, it looked like they didn't even get off the plane against Oklahoma. They played so bad the whole game. I mean, I guess you could say that Oklahoma played really good because they shot like 70%. But that that goes on your defense. I just, I just I don't know. But, yeah, for me, I'm taking the conference championship all day, personally. Um, I love, you know, the Final Four. It's great. But I think that finally, as a K-State basketball fan, we can look up to legitimately contending for national titles. It's you know it's very early in Tang's career. Maybe he just got lucky with this roster here. We got lightning in a bottle, but I'm gonna be optimistic. I think that Tang has a real chance to build something actually good. Also, please, Gene, pull out those strings for him. He's gonna get try to get sniped. <laughs> Carl and Mary I Ice. Him first. Yeah, exactly. Carl and Mary Ice. I know you got those big bucks. It's time. This is the one that we need. Get those nil money in there. Um. But yeah, then there's also reports that Keontae turned down like five, uh, there's like a, a, a couple mil to play at K-State. Really? He turned down like very serious money 
to play at Kansas State University, which is wild. Well, which, you which know, and just... I really from last weekend with his interview, he he's really trying to get to the NBA. I think he's much more thinking bigger picture and what team is going to get me eyes to the NBA scouts rather than, you know, I don't know, another team that's maybe willing to pay him some, but maybe not take a full risk on him right. and showing his full abilities. And I think that's just a compliment to the Big 12. I mean, because he chose the best basketball conference to play in. I think he was looking at the Big 12 because the Big 12 has the best teams. Big 12 has the last two national champions. And uh, and the year before um, the Baylor won it, Texas Tech was in the national championship game. So I, I think he's looking up the competition. He's in SEC, you know, okay, two good teams. He's looking at Pac-12. Any good teams? No one really knows. Uh, and then the ACC is just a bunch of crap teams with top-heavy uh, Duke and North Carolina. So... Both kind of having down years this year, too. Yeah, exactly. But yes, we are going to have this episode on Spotify this week. I'll be, it'll still be going up on Wednesday like normal. But yeah, I think Keontae is just choosing Kansas State because I think he saw the writing on the wall that the, the rest of us as fans saw that the Big 12 was going to be really, really good this year. And if he does well in this Big 12, that scouts going to be like, yep, you, NBA. And I, I just still can't believe that nobody wanted to take a chance on him. Can't believe Florida gave him up. Real quick, um, as we finish up our K-State segment here, did you see the handshakes at the end of the K-State-Florida game? I did. So I didn't actually get to watch the full game. It was mm-hmm. poker mm-hmm. night, so sure. I was catching glimpses. But I, I saw the video afterwards of Keontae going through the Florida line, and it, it made him feel nice. It was good. Right, yeah. Super cool that he, you know, him and the other players, do uh, remember all their handshakes. That was, you know. I think basketball more and more every year, um, especially in actually I think in the NBA more than college, it's becoming more of like uh, what baseball is now, where there's not too many heated rivalries. Of course, there's always going to be guys that hate each other. You know, sports is a competitive environment, but more and more it's becoming like a brotherhood of dudes that all like the same sport and are all trying to get to that next level together. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just a really cool moment for a guy that's been through so much. Uh, obviously, the the media is gonna you know keep talking about that all, all uh, as much as they can all year because it is a special story. But you you do love to see things like that. All right. Um. Oh, did, yeah. You did, you did say Marquise Noel as your way too early player of the year. He's my pick. Yeah. All right. All right. We always like to touch on betting a little bit, so I'm gonna go ahead and read off. Uh, k-state uh championship odds and then we're gonna have a look at the chiefs odds for the super bowl here real quick and we're gonna talk on uh boston but are you a sports better at all yourself so i'll follow what the lines are for each game but i'm i'm honestly just too lazy to download the app i just haven't set up an account well i've gotten this far so (laughs) right also the thing is if you didn't you know get that free money in the beginning it's like fine you know why don't i just (laughs) do anything else with my dollars you know um let me see here if i can get things about kansas state the big 12 futures here i know that i got a uh i actually got kansas state plus twenty thousand to win the conference when the betting lines first opened up on the first day and i put ten dollars on it so if the K-State ends up winning the conference, I get $2,000. That's so, impressive. Yeah. It's gonna be, I'm really hoping they pull it out because that's an immediate trip to, uh, to to England for me. So, um, oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. 
That's okay. So the chi uh, Chiefs. K State opens up as some money has been coming in on KU actually. Um, I know the line opened up at uh, K State plus six. Now it's up to K State plus six and a half. Um, do you think that's a bettable line? Are, are you? I know you said you're familiar with sports betting. Do you know how lines work exactly? Yeah. So okay, cool. I I think it's it's doable. Like I said. We can win. We could beat KU. We could definitely get close within six points, but I'm I'm so worried. I I am super superstitious when it comes to basketball. Mm. And if I like go all in on something, like I can just never fully commit to an outcome. But okay. if I'm being reasonable, yeah, I, I would take K State on that to cover. I think I am actually gonna bet that right now. Uh <laughs> I like that. I think money's gonna come in on K State. Um, as the week um, comes in, uh, I, think I think that line will get a lot tighter. I think, I think there's two scenarios. It doesn't stay at six and a half. No way. I think it gets maybe plus five and a half. Either goes plus five and a half, or it keeps going, or money keeps coming in on KU. Um, if a new story comes out that Bill Self said, "Uh, oh, our team just isn't as talented as it used to be," that's nightmare scenario. Actually, um, <laughs> that's when K State fans need to start getting worried. Because Bill Self does that every year, and then his team just beats the crap out of somebody at home. So I hope I hope I hope he hasn't uh, said anything too negative about his players. Um, I don't think that Christian, I mean, a Christian Brown. Uh, sorry, uh, Grady Dick's struggles that he's had this uh, so far this year are going to keep continuing. But I also don't think that Desi Sills is going to be in the rut that he's been in. And the and the Cats have still won two out of those three games with. Uh, with Desi Sills in that little rut that he's had. So, uh, I've, do you have a score prediction? It's, I, I would just, probably pretty close to what it was at Bramlage. I mean, I think originally um, to the game in Bramlage, I said it was going to be like 78-76, mm -hmm. um, somewhere around that. I, I think that we stay within three points. If I were to pick right now, mm -hmm. I hate that I'm saying this out loud because I'm like I said, I'm super superstitious. That's why I don't sports bet because if I have money well, on hey, something, if you if you have superstition against it, <laughs> and that means uh, there's a reason for it. So if you don't want to say your score to jinx it, you don't have to. <laughs> I, I think we stay within three, and I think it'll be somewhere in the 70s, 80s range. All right. So I'll tell you this: if Desi Sills has tw ten or more points. I think the Cavs can pull out a, like, 78-76. If Desi Sills has less than 10 points, I think we're looking at a 78-73 KU victory. I think that that's that, these, these margins are that fine. That, you know, we need these sixth-man players to be the best sixth-man on the court. But, you know, so that's where I'm putting it. Desi Sills over 10 points, I'm thinking we're looking at a, a K-State close win. Um, Desi Sills under... 10 points, I think we're looking at a K-State close loss, unfortunately. But once again, as I said earlier, nothing to be ashamed of losing KU on the road. Uh, you know, with with how popular basketball is at KU, and, and rightfully so, kids are already camping out. Um, are, are you aware of how the camping policy works for KU? Has no, not really. You? So, no. here's how it works. In the student section, anyway. Seats are first come, first serve. Camping starts a week before the game. And you and your friends, uh, you have to register with their ticket office uh, how many seats 
your party is holding, and then someone has to stay in line the entire week. At all times, 24 hours. Or, or you lose That's your spot in line. a bonding moment. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is that, you know, if me, you, Ozzy, Brandon, a couple other guys say, hey, you know, we're tailgating, I mean, uh, we're camping for this game, only one of us has to be in line at a time. So, I mean, these KU fans, you can't say they're not dedicated. You know, they love they love their sport. And, yeah, camping started just uh, today. So. Oh, man. I just I, – I definitely appreciate how K-State does it. As a former student who mm-hmm. could not skip out on classes. And right. I, I do appreciate that they reward students for going to games earlier in the season. So, so that we're not having to do that. Right. Especially in January, it's so cold. <laughs> hey man, they're serious, dude. They're they're crazy over there. So I, I think we can one day reach that level of uh of commitment. Um, yeah, it's gonna take a little bit. We're talking about KU here. Uh, you know, as much <laughs> as I hate to give them props, they invented basketball. So it, 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 they probably should have had more national championships as good as they've been over the over these last twenty years, especially. Oh, by the way, I want to talk about that real quick. Bill Self has squandered more number one overall seeds than any coach in uh, NCAA history, by the way, just so you know. Really? Yeah. His uh, average finishing place with a number one overall seed is 10th, which is bad. So if you have the number one overall seed, if you're the best team going into the postseason, you're telling me you don't even get to the Elite Eight? But, um, yeah, so K-State's looking at plus six and a half. Talk to the Chiefs betting line real quick. Then we'll go to top five. Get out of here. Thank you so much for coming in and filling in. By the way, you've done excellent. Uh, have you done a podcast thing before? Uh, not one with video, so. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, surely you've done this before. You, yeah, you've been great. I I was not expecting, uh, you know, most time we have uh, people in on the podcast, even people that have done uh, streams before, and they're not, they're just not ready for, you know, kind of back and forth conversation like on a podcast. So we're very impressed. Thank you. Thank you. You've done brilliantly. All right, so uh, by the way, on MGM, because of uh, advertising rules, the big game is uh, what the line is on. It opens up at Chiefs plus two today. I think I'm taking Chiefs plus two. Are, yeah, are for you? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, we'll see money probably come in on the Eagles as uh, more injury news comes out. It all depends on injury news. But I think mm-hmm. Max, this gets us. Eagles minus three. I think there's no way it gets anywhere less than that. Now I don't see I, I don't see the Chiefs uh, releasing any injury information saying that people absolutely will be ruled out. So right. I only see that line getting getting further away for with the Chiefs. Absolutely. Uh, looks like they got. Uh, I use MGM because uh, in the beginning of the year uh, when MGM gave out two hundred uh, free dollars, right? That was actually four fifty dollar free bets. So you had to bet all that fifty dollars at once. Because they're betting you don't, you know, cash on most of those bets. I ended up right. only hitting on one of those four bets, but the one I did hit on was a Jody Fortson anytime touchdown score versus the Cardinals. <laughs> so I won three hundred twenty-five bucks off of that, and that is the only reason that I use MGM because that's where most of my free money is. There it is. So, so um, looking at the the boost that MGM has, um, cautious of time. Looks like a Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown score and Travis uh, Kelsey anytime uh, touchdown score with the over being at 50 and a half is plus 425. I, I think that's great value there. 
Um, I don't get too too heavy in the parlays. Those those get away from me. Well, yeah. What they say is that you really. Um, That's how you make your money, though. Well, kind of. What from what I've heard and I've, what I've seen, uh, Truman's dad is a professional sports handicapper, and I can actually kind of say this from my own experience because I've been losing money with my parlays. But if you, <laughs> I've been told by uh, a lot of guys that if you really want to make money in sports betting, you build your parlay. And then you don't actually bet the parlay. You just bet those individual things to happen. Ah. Yeah. That's a good idea. And you use your same unit. Um, and that's worked out well for me. Uh, there's a segment that I have called Owen's Five Team Parlay. So every week I choose five NFL teams I think is going to win. Uh, I think I've won. I've actually picked all five teams correctly once. But I think I've only gone uh, two and three or worse twice throughout the year. So I've been going like three and two or four and one. And so all those weeks that I went four and one, if I would have simply picked individual teams, I'm plus money. So, but yeah, um, so that's my advice. Try to break up your bets if you're going to sports bet. Or do what Allison does, which is not bet at all. That is probably <laughs> the best way. People always say, you know, if you're you know you're betting ten dollars on this parlay, you might as well just wipe your ass with ten dollars. It's a better way to spend that ten dollar bill. So hey, but people said that about betting K State to win the basketball championship. Yes, it's not gonna pen on ourselves, not over yet. But if I do never win, stop betting. <laughs> That's right. They say that ninety nine point nine percent of gamblers quit right when they're about to hit it big. Right before they win. <laughs> <laughs> but in all reality, uh, as we always say, if you do have a gambling addiction or know someone who has a gambling addiction or someone in your family is affected by a gambling addiction, the gambling hotline is white hundred gambler. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up uh, real quick. How's Gene Taylor doing? You like what he's doing so far? Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, home run hire with uh, Coach Kleiman, home run hire and a half with Coach Tang. Um, the only hire I think he's really missed on was his first, which is for baseball. Hmm. Um, I don't follow K-State baseball super close, but they're not having uh, any super crazy success. I actually think they were bottom of the conference the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I could also be totally wrong, but um, I think we'll we'll see if he can keep the streak going with the volleyball. Um, I'm also interested just, in that. Yep. I don't follow volleyball as closely as I did when I was in school, but mm-hmm. um, this coach, his resume, it seems pretty good. Um, he's coming from a pretty stacked Pac-12 mm-hmm. school, so I don't know. I think I'll, I'll follow him a little bit closer next uh, season and see how things go. and. Mm-hmm. See if uh, Taylor Gene Taylor keeps the streak. Even if he doesn't, he's he's still a great athletics director. I really love right. what he's been doing the past couple yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with what you said. Two home run hires. Uh, and on both of those, actually, uh, I'll fully admit, I did not like the Tang hire. I wanted I wanted Neil Brown, who ended up going to uh, West Virginia. We know how that went. So I think... Uh, I'm in, not Tang. <laughs> no, yeah, sorry. No, you, no I wanted... <laughs> So, no, I wanted Neil Brown that went to West Virginia. Yep. And, and what did I say we hired Tang? You didn't, you said you didn't want Tang. Oh, well, oh, I didn't want him either. I, true, also true. I was so I think uh, Gene Taylor's done a great job of showing me that I don't know shit about, about hiring people at a sports <laughs> level because you know, obviously, we didn't know Tang was on the market as fans. We were like, oh, grab that middle uh, Tennessee guy, the guy that made John Morant so good, blah blah blah. Um, and then you know wanted venables at ou we see how that's going 
mm-hmm. wanted Neil Brown at West Virginia. It looks like he's going to get fired with 18 mil on his contract left. And I was like, gosh, you know, this nepotism hire, hiring from his old place, this is going to be terrible. And boom, Big 12 championship, recruited guys like Deuce Vaughn. Okay. Sorry, Gene. I'll, I'll shut up. I already apologized to you on Twitter. That's my bad. But, yeah, I think he's done a great job. Really looking forward to uh, this volleyball coach. And uh, I actually want to try to go to some volleyball games because I think, you know, the Morgan Athletic Center, we need to start calling it the Morgue to fit, like, the kind of doom, the octagon of doom. doom. But, yeah, but calling it the Morgue, that's just sick. That's a sick nickname. So, um, but looking – it's just hard to, to keep track of, uh, unfortunately, K-State baseball, K-State uh, volleyball. Um, it just doesn't have the, the media availability that um, basketball and football have. But I do follow them on social media. I will be watching their career with great interest as we go forward. Okay, let's wrap this thing up. We had a good, a uh, little bit over an hour, looking like a good episode here. Um, let's get into uh, our top fives. And real quick, uh, Allison, where can we see more of your lovely content and uh, wonderful Twitter takes? Um, my handle is at Allison underscore Renner. Just my name. Uh, any um, other socials that you have to plug here or just no. Twitter? Just Twitter. Don't follow me on Instagram. Don't don't friend me on Facebook. Just just Twitter. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> everything else is private. You that. Twitter is a uh, free range. That's fine. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, all our Chinese listeners, uh, how to you guys, by the way, we have like 30% of our, our, our listeners actually from China. We did our Spotify metrics. Very funny. But, okay. So, so Twitter's out there. Unfortunately, no Instagram, no Facebook for obvious reasons, guys. So go follow her on Twitter. She's a great Twitter follow. Uh, once again, recently voted best K-State Twitter user to follow, um, by big gay boomer, notoriously good list maker, of course. Um, so Allison, let's get right into it. Uh, what are your top five most frustrating, uh, sports ref situations, outcomes that you've experienced? Are we starting from number five or number one? Yeah. Number five to number one. And then any honorable mentions that you have first. Okay. Can we trade off a little bit? Because I know I'm forgetting some, but I want to start with five. I can go first if you'd like. Okay. You go ahead and go first. Sweet. Okay. So... Honorable mention to a very uh, specific, I don't know if uh, you watch Premier League soccer at all, Allison. Uh, not a whole bunch of my friends do. They're big football fans. But um, there was a specific offside uh, this year in the Champions League uh, with uh, Harry Kane versus Sporting Lisbon where he was off by an armpit, which was uh, just fucking drove me insane. Um, but the inconsistency with VAR in general can, uh, can go in my honorable mention spot. Um, another one in my honorable mention is the, uh, K-State, uh, double kick decision on the onside kick versus OU. Um, I guess guys, I understand it was the right call. He did double kick it, but we can't allow a third review. Surely. Right. I understand they got it right. They, they reviewed it. He challenged, they, they reviewed it once stay with K-State. He challenged, lost the challenge, and then he bitched and got the call. Come on, so that that the goes to my honorable mention. There. <laughs> so number five uh, is the last year's uh, Jamar Chase OPI that ended up losing um, the Chiefs the game. It was a very clear push off, shoved him to the ground. He had full control over his body. Suddenly off balance, and then Jamar Chase is you know making a spectacular catch. Um, 
Yeah, Charvarius Ward wasn't falling down randomly. So that that goes to my number five. Um, you know, whatever, Cincy fans. You know, I'm sorry. I can't think of too many things that were super, you know, that were more obvious. You know, obviously, that's one of those ones where the Chiefs didn't lose the game because that play ended up being a play that ended up, you know, moving the chains for them so that the Bengals did end up winning. But I couldn't think of too many super quick. So that I'll, I'll probably remember some as we go and remove that one off there. Um, Number four. Allison, I'm sure as a Chiefs fan, you remember this one. That stupid fucking holding call against Eric Fisher in the divisional round against Pittsburgh in 2016, where Alex Smith threw that uh, game, would have been game-winning touchdown, and they called Fisher for a hold that was just fucking awful. Just an awful call. Um, re- I, just, mm, I remember being so pissed because we, we ended up losing a game where the other team didn't score a touchdown and kicked six field goals. Just made me sick. Um, number three. Oh, no, I, no, I got changed my number, my number two, my number three, number three, that roughing the passer call against Tom Brady. I talked about it, uh, with you before the pod, but Chris Jones slapping a shoulder pad is roughing the passer. <laughs> that was awful. Uh, you know, obviously that was in the AFC championship game, 2018, uh, chiefs would go on to lose that game. And then that was on a third down and nine where the Chiefs picked off the ball um, on that play. Co- was called back. Um, obviously, that's not the whole reason why the Chiefs lost. You know, uh, We're fans of sports. Calls aren't going to go our way all the time. But I remember being very upset about that one. You know, Obviously, Tom Brady got three more third down conversions. Julian Edelman, of all people, was carving us up. But listen, I was pissed. And that's why it's on my list. Number two. V's 28-step travel. I mean, how can we forget that as K-State fans? That was I was screaming my fool head off at my house with my mom. And, you know, uh, growing up, I had a problem where I yelled at sports way too much. But And this was one of the few times, actually, where they saw the play and my parents uh, didn't stop me from yelling at the TV because it, it was so fucking bad i was so pissed and then uh actually it's what inspired uh my tweets against jaguars fans uh the other day and uh and against cincy fans i remember having this i seen this one ku fan tweet hey man it was a perfect game k-state fans got uh something to complain about and ku won and that just pissed me off. Uh, but now I realize that was just an epic troll tweet. That was just like a, a very, very good sports troll tweet. So I've been repackaging that and using it for myself. And I used it against, I used it against KU fans uh, of when Ishmael uh, showed that picture where you can't tell if Ishmael's back is down. But like, he's clearly down. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I used that against KU fans. And that felt good. Just to use their own words. If I really wanted to go back and try to find uh, the Twitter. Because I, I remember it being uh, this girl that tweeted it. I don't remember her name. But mm-hmm. I wanted to try to find her Twitter and, and tweet at her about it specifically. But that was a bit petty for me. I would have to do a long list of research for that. <laughs> and my number one sports controversy ref moment. I'll never get over this. Hold on. Let me see if I can find something real quick. I'll be right back. Hold on. Uh, it'll only take me a couple seconds. But this is a play that pissed me off to no end. With this jersey, 
my favorite chief of all time, Derek Johnson. That fucking stupid forward progress on a fumble. Are you shitting my dick? You remember that against t- Tennessee? You remember that play? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was... Derek Johnson flying up the middle, completely unblocked, slams Marcus Mariota in the chest, knocks him on his ass. He's fumbling. The Chiefs are on it. Uh, forward progress on the play. Second down. What? Those that... are the worst, too. It's not just like, oh, bad calls or what. It's when a penalty ruins such a good moment like that. Mm-hmm. That was a weak call. It's just... Well, it's not It's not a rule. There's no forward progress on a fumble. That's just not a thing. <laughs> once you once you blow... It's not like he was like, his knee was down. He got trucked. He got trucked with a clean hit. And fumbled. He wasn't even trying to pass yet. <laughs> exactly. He just got... Oh, I was mm, still mad about that. Of course, um, as Bengals fans would never know about the Chiefs, we actually uh, are a pretty tortured fan base. Um, that was in 2018. Holy shit, that pissed me off. I'll never forget that, especially because Derek Johnson's like my favorite Chief of all time. Um, but yeah, I'll run you back through the list. Uh, once again, uh, I'll mention to, uh, to Harry Kane's very strange offside. Um Chase LPI uh, against Cincy. Once again, sorry guys, I, I couldn't come up with a better one. It's honestly a pretty weak one for my number five. Uh, number four, Fisher Holding versus Pittsburgh in the 2016 Divisional. The KSU double kick versus OU in, I believe, 2020. It might have been 2021. Don't quote my memory on that. Uh, number two, that terrible OPI, uh, roughing the passer, excuse me, on Chris Jones against Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game 2018. And number one, forward progress on a fumble. How do you... Oh, I'm still mad. All right, but that's that's my list. Allison, you, what do you got for me? Mm, okay, Um, all of mine are very uh, recent recency bias because... That's fine. It, this, I, I got like five minutes to prep Yeah, that. you had five minutes to prep that because I came up with it like on my way up the stairs from the other pod, so... Oh, man. Okay, so I, I am going with the, um, it's not technically a penalty, but um, one time I've been very upset with NFL ruling was in 2018 against uh, the Patriots in the AFC Championship where um, we lost the overtime coin toss and Tom Brady got the ball, went down the field, scored touchdown. Mm-hmm. Never got to see the ball in overtime. Yeah. Um, all the Chiefs fans complained about it, talked about how it wasn't really a fair representation of the game, even though, yes, our defense should have stopped it, whatever. Sure. The exact same thing happened uh, last year with the Bills, and they got a rule change for it. Yeah. All of a sudden, so, you know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that, number five, even though it's not technically. No, I like that. I like that. It's completely within the rules. So, yeah, keep going. <laughs> that was good. Um, Number four, I am also going from this year, uh, K-State versus TCU in the Big 12 Championship, where they overturned the safety. Um, it was oh, another big play for me because it, it ruined a moment. It ruined a momentum shift in the game. We didn't even end up needing those – well, we did need those two points because it would have prevented us from going into overtime. However, you can't just take off points on the board like that and then you know have the ball given back to that team, that fumble – it was very obvious. I even had KU fans agreeing, like, that was such an obvious safety. What are they doing? Right. No. Uh, he His arm was not coming forward. He got the ball slapped out of his hand. How the hell is that not a fumble? Crazy. Crazy. Uh, 
but uh, number three, I am blanking on who we were even playing. I remember sitting in my living room watching this Chiefs game when Chris Jones got called for roughing the passer mm-hmm. once again. Um, and uh, Carl Sheffer's squad was out there. Oh, Everyone God. was so mad that Chris Jones got called for was it roughing this the season? passer on this huge sack. Or what? Was it this, this season? season? Yeah, this Are you talking about the one where Chris Jones was John at somebody in the Colts game? And so the Phantom. No, it wasn't the Colts game. It was when Chris Jones was literally just falling on top of the quarterback. Oh, oh, uh, the strip sack against Derek Carr where he stole yeah, yes, the ball. The Raiders, the Raiders. We were playing the Raiders. The entire Airhead Stadium was yelling, like, oh my gosh. You suck. Like, Pepper's, uh, his next, like, call sounded like he was crying. <laughs> yeah, and it I remember was, like, that. Uncomfortable for everybody. Everyone's oh, like man. screaming on you know social media and whatnot. It, it wasn't even that like we had the game won. It didn't matter. But like I've never seen a collective audience that angry at a officiating crew before. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was a compilation of a bunch of you know other calls before that. But yeah, that was that yeah. Was got called for a strip sack when you're getting tackled. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> got yeah. Got called. Yeah. You're. You are getting tackled, and you're roughing the passer somehow. Yeah, cool. I mean, it's calls like that why Chris Jones isn't number one in the league for sacks. It's true. Oh. It's true. <laughs> um, number three. Oh, okay. Ooh. This should this should have been my number five. Um, super niche one. I So I swam in high school, and I swam a club at K-State. I'm into, like, professional swimming and Olympic uh-huh. swimming. There was a rule change a couple years back. I think after 2012 Olympics, they call it the Lochte rule. Yeah, um, I, don't I think heard about this. Yeah, it, it's um, that you can't streamline at any time on your back if you're not swimming backstroke. So in freestyle, you know, you do a flip turn and then you push right. off the wall. You're always taught to push off the wall on your back because you want to rotate as you're streamlining through the water so you mm-hmm. don't get caught up on the wall and take more time. So that first year they implemented DQs across the board because swimmers completely had to change how they swam. And the what they were calling for, there's no consistency on what they're calling it. They, it. All of the qualifiers for, you know, world trials and everything got so screwed up. So mm-hmm. not not happy about that one, but again, super niche. Hey, no, that's fine. Swimming is really <laughs> hype, and honestly, people should watch it more. Uh uh, it's exciting. It? You just don't do a very good job marketing. Yeah, <laughs> I, and then you know you get people like we have you know greats like Katie Ledecky, which is you know in our lifetime is going to be what one of the greatest of all time, maybe the greatest female swimmer already of all time. The greatest, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably already the greatest female swimmer of all time, and we're just not hearing about it as she's dominating. I mean, was there's that one picture from this last Olympics where like it's like Katie Ledecky is going this way, every other person in the pool is you know. 10 plus seconds behind her swimming the opposite way that that's a ridiculous sports photo that that's this is the olympics that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen so no I'm, I'm totally on board with your swimming rule change that's crazy yep um i don't know that was four mm-hmm. maybe uh number one speed travel you you can't i i mean yes i'm, I'm a k-state fan but you know it is known, it has gone down in history as one of the worst officiating calls in college basketball history. There are memes about it. 
there are gifts about it. Yeah. Like, it was so bad. And I, it's one of those games I remember sitting in my friend's basement over winter break. Um, I think it was, like, freshman, sophomore year of college. Playing, like, card games in my friend's basement. We were watching the game. And I was like, oh, my God. I might actually win this game. And that happened. And I, I was, like, in disbelief. I was like, oh, they're going to review that, right? Right. They're going to review it, right? And they just didn't. Right. And all the announcers and everyone was like, that's insane. I can't believe they Oh, they're just calling... They're just calling the game. And I think... You know, it didn't really matter. Like, obviously, that was a long time ago. But it's just, it's it's funny because it's it's just, it's a pop culture thing now. And it's something that, you know, <sighs> I'll bring up to my KU friends all the time. And they bring it up to me. And it's just, uh, oh, yeah, this is definition, definite proof that you're getting the calls at yeah, home there. Cooking. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Because I just remember initially just being frustrated that somehow we allow that layup, you know, at the end. And I was like, oh, man, another K-State choke job. Then I was like... Wait a second, he picked up that dribble at half court. Like, how do you swallow the whistle there? This isn't like, you know, you're picking up at the three line and you're taking three big steps, right? I can understand that. Last no, dribble it's, before half Yeah, last dribble before half court, you don't uh, Hey, just you know, just another long list of grievances as a K State uh and Kansas City Chiefs fan. Alright, Allison. Thank you so much for filling in. You know, wonderful job. Love to have you back on sometime. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, possibly more of the postseason here as we have our uh, Chiefs Super Bowl episode coming up as well. Um, next week, we are going to be breaking down uh, more Chiefs versus Bengals. We're going to have uh, Hannah Learns to Read back on, uh, actually, or maybe um, Home Run Chase for uh, long-time listeners of the show. Both have appeared before. Um, but we're going to be – Truman's going to be back. And he's got some things to talk about. He, I'm sure he's got some shit to talk <laughs> with with Bengals fans in general. He's got some grievances to air and some uh, some bets to be to be settled. So thank you guys um, all for watching. And uh, we're gonna get out of here. So uh, for me, uh, I've been domination Owen domination seven dom. This has been Allison Allison underscore Renner Renner. And uh, <laughs> thank you guys. We'll see you later. Peace.